creature is that the male started life as a female and then reached a certain size, went into some kind of hibernation and then his lips grew massive and his forehead grew big and he became a male. Amazing, amazing. You know, there's an amazing things. All these nature programs are just incredible, aren't they? But something I've noticed about all nature programs is that nature is vicious. I mean, it is really vicious. Daniel 6, 
and our food tray will start at, at verse 1. Daniel is, you know, go to halfway in your, in your paper Bible, go a bit forward and, you're, and you're, you'll, you'll probably come across it. Uh, otherwise, just type in Daniel and it'll probably come out into your gadget. Father God, we just uh, want to bring this time before you now. Thank you for this very famous story. We just pray, Lord, that we would uh, gain new insight this morning, that we would receive something fresh from you. Uh, use my words, I pray. Amen. Daniel 6, verse 1. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom, with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue a decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room, where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being, except to you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the kingdom issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the ring of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. Now, if this were EastEnders, there would be a... Because we're going to stop it right there. The Bible is an amazing amazing book. And one of the things that I always find fascinating is that some of these stories, especially these Old Testament stories that go back 2,000 plus years, Daniel, it's hard to estimate when it was written, but 2,200 years ago seems to be sort of a a date they've arrived at. Um, It's amazing how the characters 
even though they are so old and ancient and in a different culture than ours, they strangely seem to speak to us even today. But, you know, we see aspects of them that we still see in us today. The essential reason being, of course, is that humanity um, hasn't really changed. So I got to thinking about this story, and I thought, what is it about these characters that is universal? What is it about them that has transcended all these decades, indeed millennia, and we should still find in them characters that we relate to? And so I, I, started, I found, came across, essentially there's three characters, I think, in the story. There's uh, Daniel himself. There's, these, uh, there's this group who like to present themselves as a group, so that's what we'll do, the satraps and, and the administrators and what have you. And then there's Darius. <coughs> and so I asked myself a simple question, good guys or bad guys? I thought that was quite a simple way to, to ask the question as to where they're coming from. So first of all, I think Daniel's quite an easy one, really. You know, he's, uh, uh, you know we, we look at his credentials. Uh, he, is, he stands out well above all the others. He's trustworthy. He has no corruption. He's diligent. Uh, he's above reproach, in, indeed. He, you know, one would do well to mimic the life of Daniel. So I, I, I think he's a good guy. And I would suggest that Daniel represents the man of God, or indeed the woman of God, that we should try and replicate. He is our role model in this story. Almost as easy to work out, actually, are the satraps. And, and Carl, I'm just going to call them satraps. It saves an awful lot of time. Um, I can't find anything good about these guys, actually. I don't think there's anything in there of any merit whatsoever. Um, their motivation is pure jealousy and envy. Their, their methods of, of, what they, of getting what they want is through scheming. They tell half-truths. They're abusers of power. If you think about it, God wrote just ten commandments. I reckon they've broken four of them in our little story just today. You know, you shall have no other God before me. Number one commandment. Really big commandment. They've done that. You shall not covet your neighbor's belongings. They were envious of Daniel's position. You shall not bear false witness. They tell lies. They tell lies. And ultimately, you shall not commit murder. And here they are making this murderous um, law against him. I think these guys represent pure evil. I think they represent pure evil. There are two possible outcomes to what they, what they want. Either Daniel is done away with, or his faith is compromised. Either he's done away with, or his faith is compromised. You know, there's one in opposition to God. That's his desire of you and me, those of us who, who have faith in him. He either wants us out of the picture, or he wants us to sacrifice our faith. One or the other. Either of those, he'll be, he'll be pretty happy. The letter of Port Peter says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Appropriate. Looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Ephesians 6, Put on the full armor of God. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is one in opposition to God who would love to see all of his works undermined. 
I believe that if you're, if you're the leader in the Lord Jesus Christ today, I believe that he's got you in his sight. Now, this is not something to be afraid of. This is not something to be afraid of. It is something to be aware of. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. So this leads us to our final character, Darius. Now, good guy or bad guy? Mm. Gets a bit nuanced now, I think. Some ways he's a good guy. Some ways he's a bad guy. On the good side, he's the one that wants Daniel promoted, so he obviously recognizes good character when he sees it. He clearly likes Daniel. I would go even further, actually. I think he loves Daniel. I think he loves Daniel. You look at his reaction when he finds out that Daniel is is about to go into the lion's den. He is beside himself with remorse. He is beside himself with grief. He cannot eat. He won't be entertained. He cannot sleep. These are the emotions of someone in love, in a platonic love for Daniel. However, he has an Achilles heel. I think he has two Achilles heels. One, he's easily influenced. He's not a good judge of character. And two, he's quite happy to put himself above all others, including God. This is not a good sign. This is not a good character. We've been going through a, a, a series this, this uh, last six weeks. This is the sixth week, uh, entitled Shaping Culture. I think Darius is the one who most closely represents culture. You see, culture doesn't intend to hurt anyone. It doesn't intend to hurt anyone. And yet, unbeknown to itself, it has fallen into a trap that contravenes many of the laws of God. And the biggest lie that it's fallen into a trap of is, it's all about me. It's all about me. Or in a cultural context, it's all about us. And you see that in the world of political correctness, don't you? You know, I'm not allowed to criticize your beliefs, and I'm not allowed to criticize your lifestyle, because you as an individual have every right to behave in the way that you do. And, and to a degree, I think we need to accept that. You know, we can't go around pointing fingers uh, and, and accusing people. But it has seemed to have broken down all sense of dialogue, all sense of, of, of comments. You know, we're not allowed to make comment about anybody anymore. Consider these words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Jesus meant no offense when he said those words. Indeed, they're a word of comfort, actually, to Thomas. He didn't know where Jesus was going. Uh, and he said this to Thomas to, to comfort him. And I, I find them really, really encouraging. You know, we, we live in a world where, what is the way? You know, we're all trying to find a way. We don't know what it is. What is the truth these days? Fake news is, is massive right now. It was word of the year, I believe, last year. Where do we find life? We're looking for life left, right, and center. We're not really finding it. I find these words really encouraging. But if you're not a person of faith or not a person of Christian faith, these words are actually quite offensive. These, these words challenge us. These words say that if you don't believe what the Christian believes, if you don't believe the Christian faith, you're in the wrong place. Jesus was not very PC. 
By the way, if you do try the outer country, can I just recommend that you um, try the outer country? Try the outer country. It's a great way to, to get stuff, stuff like this off your chest. You know, when Jesus said those words, what did he mean? You know, just, just get it off your chest. Huh? You know, I'm sure that the, that the Alpha team would, be, would love to hear your, uh, your rants at them. <coughs> you see, what the world needs to hear is grace, yes. But it also needs to hear truth. Truth and grace together. You know, there's that great story that I've, I've heard many times told from the front here of the woman caught in adultery and um, all the Pharisees and Sadducees want to stone her uh, and they, they, they ask the question of Jesus and he says, well, you of the, who is, whoever, whoever is, of the fir- is, is without sin, cast the first stone and we know famously one by one uh, they, leave, they leave the area. And usually that's where the story stops, and that's a great story of grace, and indeed it is a great story of grace. But if you stay with the story just a bit longer, you'll find that Jesus and the woman are left alone. All the others have left, and he turns to her, and he says, "Um, go and sin no more. And there's truth, you see. So there's grace, yes, and there's truth. And the two work best together. It's been said that truth without grace is just mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. Grace and truth is the best medicine. So Rick Daniel's really up against it. Uh, basically, his life's about to come. He's as good as dead. So what does he do in the face of, uh, of certain annihilation? Uh, we read that he goes back to his room, and three times a day he faces Jerusalem. He gets down on his knees, he prays, and he gives thanks to God just as he has always done. And as we look at this list of things, I'm struck by the character of the man, really. Uh, he doesn't, one, he doesn't say, he goes back to his home. He doesn't say anything to the satraps, or indeed Darius. He simply just goes back to his room. If this were you and I, I, I think we'd have words. We'd have something to say about this. This is a bit unfair. Well, it's very unfair. Uh, and so we would, we would be really, you know, really going for it on this one. He gets down on his knees. I mean, you know, he could have really gone for it with these guys. He could have blasted them something from it. Instead, he gets down on his knees, which I think we'll agree is a state of humility. We don't get down on our knees much in the culture that we live in these days. If you were lucky to be knighted, you might get down on your knees. If you're going out with a girl for a long time, lads, you might get down on one knee. And what you're doing, of course, in that, in that physical pose is you're saying, listen, my happiness, darling, lives or dies on what the answer is. You're, 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 you know, that physical position is, I am subservient to you. I want a positive answer from you. And that's where Daniel finds himself. It's very easy in situations of conflict to start blasting away and saying, I'm in the right and you're in the wrong. Far better is if we just understand that we are all subservient to God. We are all under Him. We are all equally under Him, actually, whether we're right or wrong. Daniel recognizes that God is ultimately judge, not us. And sometimes we would do well to remember that. Perhaps a more amazing response of Daniel is that he gives thanks. He gives thanks. 
He's about to die. And he gives thanks. You know, a heart of thanksgiving goes an awful lot, a long way. And we live in a society where there's, there's very little of it. And I do believe that we can be thankful even in really difficult times. Thankful that God is actually in control. We may not feel like he's in control, but he is in control. Thankful that he knows the way through this thing, even though we may not. Thankful that this could present an opportunity that increases my faith. This could present an opportunity into which I grow. And thankful that lives could be affected by my actions and how I respond to this thing, to the situation. The Apostle Paul says these words, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Doesn't that bring out a sense of thanksgiving in your heart? You know, these present little difficulties that we go through are nothing compared to the glory that we will receive in the future. Furthermore, he says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. What we're going through is temporary. What we will receive is eternal. Doesn't that give you a heart of thanksgiving? Daniel faces Jerusalem. Jerusalem was his home. Jerusalem, in his mind, was where God dwelt. He kept his eyes on the kingdom of God. And when we're in trouble, when we're facing uh, opposition because of our faith, Keep our eyes focused on the kingdom of God. In those days, it was a physical place. These days, it transcends geography. It's a spiritual reality that God lives within us. Keep our eyes focused on the fact that God lives within us. There's a little phrase, though, that holds them all together. And it's this, just as he had done before. All of these things were commonplace for the Philippians. All of these things were regular. He had good habits. You know, good habits see us through the good times and the bad times. Reading God's Word and spending time with Him throughout the day. In our, in our small group, we're going through a series. We're doing now, we're looking through everyday spirituality, which we did as a church just a, a little while back. Um, and every week we get a little a bit of homework. You know, spend 10 minutes a day with God. Ask him to ask to receive the Holy Spirit every day. Do something that challenges your faith as often as you can. And, and I have to say that these, we're basically we're building up a, you know, a catalogue of habits. We're building up some good habits. And I'm finding the idea, which I haven't been used to, asking every day, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Really powerful. Really powerful. Actually, joining a small group is a good habit. Is a good habit. And I would... Uh, I would, I would recommend the shape course that, that we're about to start. You know, if you're not part of a group, I, I wholeheartedly recommend it. I, I, my own story is I didn't want to get involved in this whole small group. When I, was, I, used to go to work, I used to work in uh, West London uh, in, the cent, you know, in the central town more. Every day and I'd come home, the last thing I wanted on a Tuesday night, having spent an hour and a half on the train, was to go to a small group. But Karen was in a small group and they were quite cunning. What they did is they changed the, the, uh, the host house to my house. So I didn't have a choice. I had to go. You know what? I started to enjoy it. I started to enjoy it. 
I found it really beneficial. I found that my spiritual life grew because I had that midweek burst of, of meeting up with, with fellow Christians. I wholeheartedly recommend the shape course for you. So how does the story end? We'll read on. We were left it on a cliff edge. Um, we better jump quite quickly, I think. Um, let's go to, uh, not the first thing, the second thing. Yeah, so basically, he doesn't die. The king was overjoyed. Uh, where, where are we? The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they could reach the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. And we'll cut it short there. Why should we change culture as opposed to allowing culture to change us? Why should we do it? You've probably been, you might have been wondering that over this, this six-week series. What, yeah, fine, but what's the point? I'll tell you what the point is. It's because as people see the true and living God at work, in you and in me. They too are transformed, can be transformed. They too can be challenged as to their lifestyle and their thinking. They too can find God in the same way that you and I have found Him. That's why we need to push back the culture when our faith is being um, told to adjust because of it. Because ultimately, culture needs us to help it find the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 